Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. gentlemen when will the twins begin hitting and is there any doubt that they will begin hitting it's been a really interesting start to the season some impressive starting pitching outings uh duran is fascinating could be a, a future closer the, the twins did win one nothing on uh thursday which is probably the only way they were going to win this week is winning one nothing but the, the big concern is the bats uh so let's get into the offense before we get into everything else here on shin music with Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, and Jim Suhan. This is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Uh, Roy, you've been with the team. Why don't you tell us? Is this just a just a, a momentary slump, or do you have real concerns? You know, I still think it's too early to tell whether this is something we need to be concerned about. Obviously, you get pitching like they've gotten, and you think you've set up the team uh, to score a lot of runs. And if that were the case, they would they would have won every game you know, on the road trip. I mean, the pitching was terrific. Um, but I, but I do think it's, it's too early to, to panic. Although we are seeing some, so it, it, not the least of which reason is, you know, Bucks did it, didn't play for five games and, you know, they, they need him in, in the lineup. You, you need, you need all your guys that can hit to be, to be in the lineup, all the guys that make the biggest impact. But speaking of that, um, I, I think Buxton will hit. I think Palanco will hit. Arise is going to get base hits. Uh, Correa hasn't looked great, although he's looked better the last few games. He's going to hit uh, only because you know they've done it, all those guys have done it before, and I don't see any reason for for them not to do it this year. The problem that I see is I look at the lineup. They desperately need Kepler, as I've mentioned before, they, and they need, they need one or two, uh, but at least one of Kirilov and or Larnik. And um, if those guys, any two of those three are swinging the bat well, the lineup looks really good behind those first four guys I mentioned. Uh, And the total lineup looks, looks good. If, if, if those guys don't swing the bat, if it turns out that it's it's not going to happen for them this year, then those first four guys can't carry the club. I mean, it's just not it's not going it, to it, it's not going to be there. So I I don't think it's uh, it it's too early to to panic about it, but that is something that I think we'll be watching. They they need those guys an awful lot because we don't. I mean, I like Gio Urshela a ton at third base, a good defensive third baseman. And I like him hit playing third, hitting seventh or, or eighth. Um, and, but you're not going to get much uh, from Ryan Jeffers, I don't think. And uh, if Sano doesn't hit, you know, I mean, and I'd throw Sano in there with those other three. I just don't know what to say about, you know, about Miguel. I, I mean, I think he's probably going to get hot at some point in time. 
and he's going to end up having the kind of season that he, you know, that he had last year, which is frustrating on the surface and, and pretty big run production, you know, in, in actuality. So I, I think that we'll ultimately get, you know, Miguel to where he's going to be. I, I'm, re- I'm concerned about the, uh, about Kepler, Larnick, Kirilov. Not that I don't think, you know, Larnick and Kirilov are going to be fine young hitters, but, you know, they need they need those three guys, at least two or, th- two or three of them, to balance out the lineup. What are you seeing, Lavelle? Well, I see a lineup. I'm wondering if it's going to be like the Minneapolis weather right now. It's just going to have to wait a while for it to warm up. Uh, we're in, in April here, and and uh, we, we still haven't had like a 60-degree day here, and it's dreary outside, and it's raining. It's supposed to be warm on Saturday. But maybe by May we'll have uh, uh, decent weather and a decent offense because um, – if not, there's going to be some some problems here. I I think you know when once again if Buxton's out, you know that it it takes it takes some bite out of the offense. Um, I was really hoping Miguel Sano would uh, would step up this year because he looked pretty good in spring training, and especially after we went through last year when he got marginalized into kind of like a platoon role for a chunk of the season before Nelson Cruz was traded. I thought he was motivated to come in this year. Improved that he can be a reliable force in the middle of the order, and that hasn't happened yet. He's got three hits on one sacrifice fly. He's still trying to yank everything to left field. Although I think he had a couple hit stops to field during the Kansas City. Well, he sent a couple balls to the opposite field in Kansas City. They weren't hits. Um, so I'm still waiting for him to come around in that regard. Um, Trevor Larnick, I wish could just stay a year in the minors and, and just get some development time. And once again, he gets up here and they're not going to throw him fastballs. And um, He's having trouble handling quality um, uh, breaking stuff. That means that, the only reason he's up here is because Kirilov is injured, and that's that's a big setback for the office too. Because there is a guy who has a hit tool that could really benefit this lineup, and uh, he's having problems with his wrist. So they got a lot of little things going on. It's not clicking. So you know maybe with time here and the weather gets warmer and guys get get heated up with the weather and then it can start being. Um, uh, more productive, but I, I I don't think it's time to sound the alarm. And frankly, even if you did sound the alarm, it's not really a lot the Twins could do at this uh, at this juncture because you know they're not going to do anything unless Buxton and and Correa and Polanco are leading the leading the top of the order. Um, and if they're not hitting, this is what it looks like, I guess. We're going to talk about a couple of promising young arms. We're going to come back to some specific hitters later in the show. Again, this is Chin Music, part of TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see all of our shows as they are released. We have lots of outdoor content, great sports content, variety stuff all across the network. Thank you for listening. We do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. Right now, you probably want to be listening to the John Krasinski show about the Timberwolves, and you probably want to listen to the Jeff Diamond show and the Viking Update show about the Vikings draft as well as the show on the Twins. Of course, we have Cheryl Reeve uh, previewing the upcoming Lynx season. Uh, Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And thank you to our sponsors, Corona, Memorial Blood Centers, Better Edge, and Perfect Ash. So let's let's go to some happy talk here. Uh, Joe Ryan uh, looks like everything they want him to be, and Duran looks like he could be everything they want him to be. LaBelle, why don't you go first this time? Yeah, you know, um, it's actually – entertaining to watch show Ryan pitch because you know, he's going to try, he's going to attract the strike. I'm sorry, attack the strike zone and uh, make hitters swing. And you could tell by the the type of swings they are taking at his stuff. They're not picking it up quickly enough and, or, or they're, or he's outsmarting them. Um, he's pitching with more maturity than his, uh, his experience level suggests. Um, 
and he's been he's been doggone effective. And I just I just like it when he throws. I think uh, the Twins have a chance to win that day. Well, J- Joe Ryan takes them out, and it's so that's saying something for a guy who has less than a year of major league experience. Um, I, you guys know how I feel about John Duran. I think the guy's got a fantastic arm. I like to see him be the ninth inning guy. Although in today's baseball, you know. Uh, you know, the geeks have taken over in that regard. So now your your best reliever could be facing the, the middle of the order in the seventh. And then you got to come up with another guy, you know, to finish off the ninth. So um not necessarily sure if I'm a fan of that, because I think in that approach, you need to have uh, a quality bullpen to be able to execute something like that. But uh, Duran touching 102 with the fastball. Um, the splinker has movement on it. And it's at 97, 98. He's got a slider. Um, he's just, he's just got all the equipment to tear through a lineup. Um, if anything, I'd like to see him maybe stretch out to be able to pitch two innings, maybe bring him in for the eighth and the ninth, um, and end games that way. Of course, that would uh, limit the number of times he pitches in a week. Uh, but, uh, I, I'm just infat- infatuated with the guy. I think the twins have, as long as they can keep him healthy. And we know he had a, a elbow problem last year that forced him to be shut down. But if the Twins could keep this guy healthy, he's going to be a force wherever he's using that bullpen for the next several years. What are you seeing, Roy? The same kinds of things, although I, I uh, am uh, – I don't know if I disagree with uh, Lavelle as much as uh, – I, I just think the, the point about where you use Duran right now is uh, it, it, it is really uh, – uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more in the Rocco camp uh, for yesterday's game, for example, uh, to use Duran in uh, in the highest leverage situation or what you perceive to be the highest leverage situation, because if you, it, you might bring Joe Smith or or uh, Pagan or uh, Duffy or somebody in in the seventh inning, because you got to build a bridge to get to Duran in the ninth. And if you never get there, you won't you won't sleep at night. I mean, if the other guys give it up in the eighth or ninth inning, they do. Lavelle, I, I agree with you that ideally, if you're going to use your best guy, like uh, like Tito used uh, Tito Francona used Andrew Miller back in the playoffs and World Series in the sixth inning, sometime ideal because he had uh, guys behind him in the bullpen that were, if not equally good, they were they, they were closer types and 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 could get the job done. That's ideal, but the twins don't have that. So somewhere in the seventh, eighth or ninth inning, seventh, eighth and ninth inning, they're going to have to use those uh, uh, guys that are not named Durant. And uh, so the only thing you're left with is to say, okay, uh, when's the best time to use Joe Smith and Pagan and Durant? And is it against, who am I going to use in the seventh inning in a one-run game when we really need to win it? Uh, we got to use it against uh, the you know the three, four, five guys, or am I going to hope that Joe Smith can get two, three, four, five, and that Bagan can get through six, seven, eight, and then Duran can close it out of the ninth? And if you never get there to Duran, I'm just telling you, as a, man, a manager, would not sleep that night. You, you you don't you got what you got. You either have them in the seventh or eighth, uh, the non-Duran guys, or you have them in, uh, you know, you have them in the uh, eighth and ninth. And then if you're if you get there, then it's a, it's all matchup. It's who do I who do I want to pitch to who? 
I understand yeah. that. I understand that. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, I don't disagree. I just think that I get a little nervous when you bring in Duran, and all of a sudden here comes Joe Smith. That's a drop off to me. And I'm still trying to figure out how effective Pagan can be. I know he can touch 95, and he's he closed years ago for the Rays. Um, I'm just saying you, you need to have you need to have multiple guys to re- the the perfect situation would be if Taylor Rogers was still in the bullpen, and maybe yeah, it'd be easier for me to 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 uh, to accept how uh, modern. Uh, late inning relievers are used. Um, I'm just, I get nervous with this particular group uh, and Duffy's not throwing the ball well right now either. Um, so, uh, but you're, you're right. I think, and, and, and also define danger. I mean, uh, entering a game with no one on base, I, I, all of a sudden that's become a dangerous situation with high leverage stakes involved. If there's guys on base, I get it. Um, Kansas city in April, I'm, I'm, I'm more inclined to pitch Durant in the ninth. I think that's just my personal preference. Yeah, I, after watching, um, I mean, Boston, you know, whacked Duran around uh, pretty well. You know, he's going to go through some of those, some of those lumps. And I, you know, I, I, I think he's going to be the ninth inning guy for years to come at some at some point in time. But I think there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it. Part of it is being his own maturity. Uh, part of it is him being in leverage situations in the seventh so that he gets used to leverage so, you know the the big one hit the in the ninth you know those kinds of things and on top of that you know Rocco's got who he's got you know he's got Pagan and Joe Smith that's you know that's who he's got so he just has to decide when he's going to use them and I, I just feel like if 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 he goes six eight ten times never getting to Duran because he didn't pay, because he's trying to save him for the ninth then I think, um, you know, I, I, I think he's dripping serious stomach acid at night. <laughs> uh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, we're going to keep talking about, I want to talk about Taylor Rogers and that trade. Uh, we do want to thank Corona Beer, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. We also want to thank Memorial Blood Centers, continuing to do vital work in Minnesota. Local Duncan locations generously donated vouchers to recognize community members who give back through blood and platelet donations with Memorial Blood Centers. The blood supply continues to be low, and Memorial Blood Centers encourages the community to make a donation. Your donation will help patients in in need. I made a donation back in December. I was in and out within 40 minutes. It's the easiest thing to do. During the month of April, Duncan is offering all presenting donors a voucher for a medium Dunkin' coffee for giving blood. Plus, one lucky donor will win free coffee for a year. So don't miss out. Schedule your appointment online today at mbc.org slash donate or call 1-888-GIVE-BLOOD. That's 1-888-448-3253. And Lavelle, tell us about your place, Perfect Perfect Ash. Yep, located in Invergrove Heights. has over 340 uh, different brands of cigars. You walk in, it's actually a, a smorgasbord of, of cigars. You walk through the humor door and check out all the different makes and models for your smoking pleasure. Uh, there's leather chairs and sofas all over the uh, the lounge area and plenty of TVs to watch sports. It was a great afternoon there yesterday, um, watching the Twins game and, uh, and then puffing an afternoon, afternoon away. And uh, details to come soon here in the next uh, few weeks, but the Perfect Ash will be hosting a charity golf tournament. So uh, keep all that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. As one day it will be warm outside, you're going to want to enjoy a nice cigar. Why not stop by the Perfect Ash in Invergrove Heights and pick out your favorite? 
No doubt about it. And thank you to everybody who sponsors and listens to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. So the Taylor Rogers deal, listen, Rogers is a good player. He's a, he's really good. And he was a great guy to have around here. They did get Paddock, who looked much better his last time out. They did get Pagan, who probably need, you know, they needed to have somebody toward the back of the bullpen with some experience. And now they get a, a what seems to be a pretty good pitching prospect. You know, even though, hey, I, I didn't really like the initial, my initial reaction to the Rogers deal is why you're trading your best reliever. They did get a pretty good haul, don't you think? I think so. I think the Twins did rather well, um, especially if they uh, ex- expected to part ways with Rogers after the season. They decide to uh, get a couple guys that they could control for a couple of years. Paddock is under control for three years. Pagan's under control for, for three years. And, uh, and now we know that the um, uh, that they the, the, we now know the identity of the player to be named later, who's a 19 year old kid um, who's got a year of experience in the Myers. He's and he's got a live arm. And it looks like uh, it's, he's going to be uh, someone that Twins can develop and find some uh, some use for in a bullpen uh, in the future. He throws three pitches now, so maybe he could be a closer. So I think they did rather well for that uh, for that haul. What do you think, Roy? I agree. I think it was a really good thing to do. I, I the one thing I hate more than anything else is dinking around. Do we sign? Do we sign the guys that are going to be free agents at the end of the year? Do we sign them now? Do we not sign them now? Can we? Are we going to sign them at the end of the year? Don't know. Um, you get in a situation, you got to you got to trade them. You have to be willing to make moves like this, trade good players to uh, keep uh, replenishing not only your big league roster, but but uh, down through the minors. And it sounds to me like this 19 year old kid they got is the player to be named. It has a, has a terrific arm. So you, you don't you, you you don't know what you're going to get from somebody like that. But. But it's it sounds like a good bet. You know, bets, bets don't always work, but this sounds like a good one. Pagan is the sneaky one in this deal. I mean, I think they, they got they wanted Paddock. They see something there they, uh, that they think they can make into a into a starter that uh, will give them a chance to win. He did that uh, very well the other, uh, the other night in uh, Kansas City. Looked totally different than, you know, pitching to a good Dodger team in 40 degrees or whatever it was. So I, I think that that's, that was kind of where they were and you know, what they were looking at. And uh, Jim, you're right. They needed somebody serve, serviceable late in the, you know, somebody that's had the experience, you know, later in the game. I kind of think Pagan is a sneaky, sneaky part of this deal. I, I really do. I, he's got, it, it, as I watch, have watched him in, in these first games that he's been in, He's throwing 94-95, with the exception of walking the leadoff guy in the ninth, which was, you know, could have been a disaster. He's been over the plate every uh, every outing consistently. He made Boston hitters uh, look uh, look a lot weaker than they are. I think he could be a little sneaky in the um, in the seventh, eighth, or or ninth inning. I, I think the trade was a good one. That's the thing is if, if Pagan can pitch. You know, about as well as Rodgers, maybe not exactly as well, but if you can pitch anywhere near the realm of where Rodgers is capable of pitching, then you're also adding a young starting pitcher and a pitching prospect. It's a win, even though it's exactly the kind of deal that drives fans crazy. You know, modern general managers, unless you can outspend your mistakes, you have to be on a constant search for value. Don't you think, Lavelle? Yeah, you do. And the one thing about this regime that's different from other twins regimes is that they, they, they're a little more proactive. I mean, they, they look into the future and they see uh, things they're going to have to address and try to nip things in the bud. 
and they they try to get players that could uh, get control and they try to get value for the current players. So um, this is a move that uh, and you know you always wonder could they have waited to the trade deadline and could they have gotten more? Yeah, I don't know. I think there were guys they identified with the uh, with the with the Padres. I guess they've talked to the Padres about Paddock in the past and really like them. So. Um, I, I, I like that approach and I like uh, uh, they, the, the twins get involved in the baseball economy more than um, than they have in the past. And that's just from looking to get better, um, not not avoiding losing players to free agency and get nothing in return, trying to find quality starting pitching. You know, uh, Falvey comes from a Cleveland organization in which, uh, you know, Carlos Carrasco, um, Corey Kluber. Uh, and um, Trevor Bauer all came to the club by different types of trades. So um, just 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 by making moves and trying to be proactive, you know, they they continue to get uh, good young talented organization, and eventually it will pay off. I think they're heading in the right direction direction in terms of assembling starters. They got a few in line right here who could be in a fact over the next couple of years. It just takes a long time, and, and fans aren't that patient sometimes. I'll also say. I'll also say this, that, uh, you know, Terry, we talk about making smart trades. Uh, you know, for years, the Twins were considered a draft and develop team, and it really wasn't working out very well. I mean, Terry really turned it around with trades. You know, the Knobloch trade really got them going. Uh, you know, the uh, the Pruszynski trade, uh, Kelty for, for Shannon Stewart. I mean, you know, Ryan went through uh, from 98 to about 2004, 2005, I don't know if anybody's ever won more trades or won a higher percentage of high leverage trades than Terry Ryan. Don't you think? Uh, uh, sorry, don't you, don't you think, Roy? I do. Uh, those were uh, uh, those are clear wins. I'm mean, not just wins; they were blowout wins, you know, for sure. Now, there were there, you know, the big bet on the Przinsky trade was that Joe Maurer was going to be ready, you know, and that that what you know that was a that was a gamble, but a pretty sure thing as 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 gambles go. That made it easier to uh, trade Przinsky, but the people he got in return it was was a blowout win. Uh, getting Shannon Stewart from Bobby Kilty, blowout win. Uh, absolutely right. He's he he made some of the trades that he made. You know, knob like trade. All the ones you mentioned, blowout wins for the for for the Twins and. Um, I, I think that ultimately this regime, to use Lavelle's word, is is um, is going to be equal to that task. I, I think that they they think creatively. They're looking down the road, as Lavelle said all the time. Jim, you and I have been talking about this. I've I've made the case four or five years ago that you know, you've got to make deals for this year and six years from now, and, and you got to keep doing that. Or you have a flash in the pan season, and then you're and then you're done. And and when Falvey and Levine took over, they were bereft in the it, it, down the organization. And you can't say that about them now. And some guys may not work out as well as they've hoped uh, relative to the people that they traded away. But uh, you got to give them a lot of credit for making decisions that look like they could be the right ones. You never know with human performance and how guys are going to, you just never know. I got a point on uh, one. Those guys got a point on one thing too. The not block trade in 1998. Uh, they, they got Brad Buchanan, uh, Christian Guzman and Eric Milton. They spun yeah. Milton into Nick Punto and uh, um, 
Carlos Silva. They spun um, Brian Buchanan and then Jason Bartlett. And then Jason Bartlett got spun into Delman Young. And then they lost Guzzi, Christian Guzman, to free agency. With the compensation pick they got for Guzzi, they uh, selected Brian Dunsing. And Dunsing pitched for the Twins until 2015. So a trade they made in 1998 uh, bared fruit through the year 2015. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yeah, I mean, it, and it was just a remarkable run. Uh, and without it, uh, who knows if they get a stadium, who knows if the franchise survives. But, uh, you know, it, it was a, it was a you know, I know the playoff failures uh, are what people like to talk about, but they had to they had to upgrade their organization 400 percent to get to the playoffs. Uh, it was an amazing run by Terry. Uh, let, hey, let's uh, talk about. Another pitcher that I have loved watching along with Joe Ryan and Duran. Uh, man, and let's start with Roy here. Uh, Bundy looks like he knows how to pitch. He absolutely knows how to pitch. And and for him, with the stuff that he has, there, there's two things. He, you know, he knows how to pitch. And then he said it very well on one of our uh, uh, pregame shows, I, I, I think. Uh, he said, I just need to get the ball to go where I want it to go. And he's got the right plan against each hitter that he faces each time he faces that hitter, whoever it is. It's a question of him being able to throw the ball uh, where he wants it. Uh, this is an old refrain. We hear this for, uh, about uh, everybody. Well, you know, you can't throw it in the middle and you, you know, if you're trying to hit the corner, you got to hit it, you know, and all those kinds of things. But the first two starts, uh, Bundy has been able to, to do that uh, really, really well. And, and uh, he's got five pitches if you count a, a sinker as an extra pitch uh, over the fastball. And so, and what he's done is thrown all five of them uh, uh, to good spots in all different kinds of counts. So uh, he made Boston look, you know, for five innings plus, he made Boston look confused because he's throwing 89 miles an hour for his fastball once in a while, 90. And he was just uh, uh, an absolute burglar. I mean, he, he, he would throw it on the inside corner to, or uh, up and in to, uh, to Bogarts. He'd throw it on the inside part of the plate to Devers. Uh, and they would take it or not have good swings because he was nibbling uh, in good spots with sliders and change-ups and curveballs. Uh, he was changing speeds with all pitches. It, it, I mean, the reason you liked him because you like to see pitching performances, and he was pitching. Uh, he was really, really pitching, and and uh, you know it, he's going to have some clunkers most likely because as anybody would. But you know when you throw 89 for your top speed fastball, there's going to be times when you're behind, you're not getting your other <laughs> to use his term, you're not throwing it where the ball's not going where it's supposed to go. And uh, but as, but he has the knowledge and the experience and the understanding of hitters that if the ball does go where he wants to go, he's going to be really good. And that, that was really fun. It's, he's been a joy to watch. Yeah, that's the thing I noticed is that he's he's commanding all his pitches and he's moving the ball around when he wants to move it. And, um, you know, it's like if, if you're able to execute pitches like he has, I mean, guys get away uh, uh, with poor control when they have like plus-plus stuff. And Bundy doesn't have that. He knows that. And he's gone from a guy who used to have velocity to a guy who who has to finesse the ball. And moving around the plate and pitch selection and location and setting hitters up and taking advantage of weaknesses. So it's been, I, 
I've covered Jim and I have been around the twins for many years and we have seen new pitchers come in and have success right away only for the, the wheels to fall off at one point during the season. I remember the year they signed uh, Jose Ortiz, who was three and oh, with like a two five ERA after April. And then it was a disaster after that. And then a couple of years ago, Martin Perez looked like one of the greatest uh, offseason additions ever. Uh, he was fantastic for half the season. And when they stopped swinging at that cutter in on their hand, uh, hitter stopped swinging at the cutter that was coming in on their hands. Uh, he didn't have an answer for that. And he kind of crumbled here. So money's off to a good start. I hope he's equipped to sustain it. One more topic I want to get to today. Thanks again for listening to TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sponsors, Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and presenting sponsor of Chin Music, uh, Memorial Blood Centers, Better Edge, and Perfect Ash. Uh, this is kind of a, a, a persistent topic for me. Uh, Twins fans seem to hate Miguel Sano because he strikes out too much and his slumps are very uh, difficult to watch. And yet, you know, last year he, he outperformed Kepler by a wide margin despite those slumps. At this moment in time, let's start with Roy. Are you more concerned about Sano or Kepler? I'm more concerned about uh, Kepler. I, I, I feel like uh, Sano is uh, whipped cream with a cherry on top in the lineup. I mean, I just – he's had the same kind of years um, for – for three or four years now and he's he is going to strike out a lot he's going to go through streaks where uh he's one for 30 and i understand how fans get frustrated with that because you look at it it, because of how he was touted coming up he was it was going to be buxton and Sano's team and and miguel Sano hasn't lived up to you know that hype and you look at that and plus all the talent and strength that he has you say uh, you know, fans get impatient or get frustrated and say he should be, he should be better. He should, he should fix it. Maybe he can fix it uh, at some point in time to be as good as we all thought he was going to be. But maybe he just is who he is. And come about you know June, uh, when he gets through the cold weather, he gets through the slow start that he seems to always have. Then he heats up. Then for you know for two months or two and a half months. He's driving in every run he look he looks at and hitting home runs all over the ballpark and then it, it, and then you then you really got something. I I think that he just kind of is uh, at the very least if he is who he is then that's going to be that's going to be who he is. Uh, with with Max, um, I I just I I don't know who he is. I don't I don't I don't know what to say about you know whether or not he's going to be a fifth hitter in the lineup or a second hitter or even a, even a sixth hitter, you know, day in and day out. But they, they, I, I believe that, you know, with as much as Sano is going to strike out, it's hard to put him up there in the middle of the order. I think, again, I just think he's icing on the cake. They need somebody hitting fifth and they need somebody hitting sixth. And uh, I've always thought that, that Kepler, I, I actually thought Kepler at one point in time he he went through a streak where I thought he he's going to be the third hitter, you know, in this club. I mean, he's going to be a really, really good hitter, and we just haven't seen it. And I think the lineup is is really dependent on him being a good hitter. You see the situations that he gets up in uh, in games, and and they're you know they're always 
there are always, it seems like two at bats where they really need him to, you know, to be a big producer. And he's done that in the past for lots of streaks uh, of different years, but never, never really put it together where you can look at it and say, ah, here he is. We know what, we know what we got here. And, and I, I think that, I, I think that he's a, a bigger concern uh, to me than Sano is right now. Yeah, I um, I'm baffled by both. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, 2019 they both teased us. Um, in 2019, Kepler hit 36 homers, had an 8.55 on base plus slugging percentage. At the same time, I think uh, Miguel Sano hit like 36 homers and had like a a, um, a, uh, a 9.23 on base plus slugging percentage. And they both tailed off since that year. And I'm trying to figure out why is this so. Sano talks like he knows how to hit, but it's not translating at the plate. Kepler looks like he should be a better hitter. So I think I'm in Roy's camp in agreeing that Kepler's the one guy I'm a little more surprised um, that he hasn't figured things out because he's, We've seen him hit the ball to left field with authority. We've seen him take quality at bats. We've seen him hit good pitching. Uh, you know, Trevor Bauer is happy he's in the National League because he doesn't have to face Kepler. Um, but, the, you know, last year and so far at the beginning of this year, you know, there's just been a steep drop off the table here. Well, actually 2022 with, with Kepler. Um, I just I just think a guy like him, uh, which shows to be a little more cerebral at the plate, and you know, I should be able to have success against pitchers uh, more, a little bit more than so. No, I can take a big six foot four inch, two hundred and eighty pound guy who's feast or famine if he's going to get me, you know, thirty five to forty homers uh, and uh, without hitting striking out three hundred times. But a guy like Kepler should, you know, be a twenty twenty guy. He should be, you know, hitting thirty homers. He should be still in twenty bases. He should he plays a good right field. You know, he, he should be impacted the game. All uh, more in a more all-around sense than Sano. So therefore, I'm I'm a little worried about Max Kepler. You both got it right. Kepler is the bigger concern. He just hasn't been as productive as Sano, despite the fact that Sano uh, Sano slumps fool everybody into thinking that he's not productive at all. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, we have lots to talk about. Uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about Kirilov and Sonny Gray here soon. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting weekend series against the Chicago White Sox, and I'll, I'll be out at the game on Sunday. Good work on the road trip, Roy. Uh, Thanks for your time, Lavelle. And thanks to everyone who's listening to TalkNorth.com.